Our scripture this week comes from the 25th chapter of Matthew. We're starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory, and all the nations will gather, be, be gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep at His right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are the members of my family, you did it to me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to start today way back in the year 1925. The world was very different then, of course, but in other ways, maybe not as different as we might think. In 1925, the world was just finding a new normal after the Spanish flu pandemic had killed more than 50 million people. In 1925, in Italy, Benito Mussolini had just dissolved the Italian parliament to become that country's dictator, while in Germany, Adolf Hitler resurrected his political party and published Mein Kampf, both examples of a rising tide of authoritarianism. It was in 1925 that John Scopes, a teacher in Tennessee, was famously tried for teaching Darwin's theory of evolution, a reminder of another time when science was under attack. Also that year, 40,000 members of the Ku Klux Klan paraded in Washington, D.C. The Klan at the time was the largest fraternal organization in the country, boasting more than five million members. And finally, in response to increasingly negative opinion toward refugees and immigrants, especially from Southern and Eastern Europe after World War I, the U.S. just a year earlier had passed an act that severely restricted immigration to this country. Now, I offer this little history refresher with its parallels to today, to raise the question, will things always be this way? Are we destined to forever repeat the same patterns of violence and greed and hatred? Or is it possible that we will find another, another way? I also offer it because today we celebrate Christ the King Sunday and it was in 1925 that the Roman Pope Pius XI 
in direct response to the frightening signs of his day, declared this new holy day. It was a bold statement, and the message was clear. In contrast to those who were willing to use whatever means necessary to secure their own power, in contrast to those who would dismiss, objectify, and monetize the lives of the poor for their own gain, in contrast to those who would promote the delusion of white supremacy and stir xenophobic fears, in contrast to those who, with hatred in their own hearts, would draw out and draw upon the hatred of others, there was and there is another way. I think I still must have uh, our recent election swirling around in my mind because I keep thinking about how much we invest in the political process as a way to find another way. We choose this candidate or that ballot measure with such high hopes that they will fix the problems and banish the evils that we see. But it's easy, I think, to instill our political system with more power to transform our world than it really has. It's easy for us to expect too much from our politicians, and it's easy for our politicians to promise too much to us. Elections are important, for sure. It matters greatly who we vote for and what policies we put in place. But the shape of our policies depends upon the shape of our hearts, and to the degree that our hearts are filled with greed or violence or fear, our laws will be too. Every four years we fight like mad to shift the power from the Democrats to the Republicans or back again, and we spend ridiculous sums of money doing it. We strain our relationships with neighbors and even family. And in the end, most of our problems remain. That's because the real battleground state isn't Pennsylvania or Florida. It's the state of the human heart, which by nature is a stubborn, inflexible thing. We're hardwired for self-protection and survival, which makes us prone to fear things we don't need to fear. And when we're afraid, we're prone to hurt things we don't need to hurt. And the work of growing our hearts, of, of keeping them open and limber and generous, it takes patience and guidance. And we Christians believe it also takes grace, that it's something that we can't do by ourselves. But we also believe that with God all things are possible and that even the most puny, calcified, self-obsessed heart can change. Our scripture lesson for this Christ the King Sunday comes from the 25th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. And in it, Jesus paints a day of judgment with all of the nations gathered before the Son of Man sitting on his throne of glory. But this King is not impressed by those who have bowed down in deference to him. He does not expect loyalty at the expense of the truth. It is not those who have shown themselves to be politically useful that are rewarded. Instead, he's looking to reward those 
who possess a certain kind of heart. First, those who have done what they know to be right, those who fed the hungry and who welcomed the stranger and visited the imprisoned. But really this passage is about more than that. Jesus is looking for hearts that don't just serve others out of obligation, but hearts that see others in all of their beauty and dignity and worth. Hearts that don't believe themselves to be just a little better than those they serve. Hearts that understand themselves to be paupers among paupers, sisters and brothers among sisters and brothers. There's a humbleness that comes as our hearts open, a stepping to the side, a making of space for others because we see their worth, their holiness. We glimpse Christ within them. When did we see you, Lord? We would have gladly been there for you, they said. But their hearts didn't know where to look. So many times in Jesus' ministry, he tried to help the disciples understand that they would not find him hanging out at the Capitol or the boardroom, but in the alley or the shelter with the addicts and the prostitutes and the throwaways. Jesus was always one to prefer the sideline over the center stage. The question is, do we? The work of opening our hearts is largely that of stepping aside and making space. And not just in a performative way, not a stepping aside that says, see what I just did? See how compassionate I am? How woke I am? Which really is just one more way of getting ourselves back to the center. Do you see me, God? Do you see me being good? Do you see me giving a drink to someone? Do you see me still making this all about me? Real heart work is the sincere, humble, gradual work of stepping to the side and of asking how we can serve rather than how we can be served. Today is for this church not just Christ the King Sunday, but also our Stewardship Sunday. And in this strange year that we've had, when we haven't been able to be together in the usual ways, I have seen just how important this place really is. Important to its members, as a place to feel belonging in a lonely time. Important as a public voice of hope and sanity in these scary days. Important as a place that literally feeds the hungry and welcomes the stranger. So let me thank you for the many ways you have supported this church in the past. The ways you've given your own time and treasure to it. And hopefully in the process have felt your own heart grow. And let me ask you to once again, or maybe for the first time, invest in the important work of this church. It's an investment in the future of our world because it's an investment in the transformation of the human heart. It's an investment in the faith that there's another way. Amen.